Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. I love Silver Flame so much. Which is, it's crazy because like every time, I know that I like, that's, if I do not stop saying like, I need to just like start, here's what we're going to do. Cause you're doing it too. We're going to get a couple of water bottles and we're just going to spray each other. Every time one of us says like, we just get like just bad. blasted in the face. Super soaker. I'll let you blast me in the face. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> blast you in the face. <laughs> Walked into that one. But at like, oh, I did it again. Oops. I Silver Flames is my favorite. No, it is my But favorite. every time I reread, when I get through the first four, I'm like, oh, I love Reese and Feyre. I love this. I love Akatar so much. Now, now I'm not going to get any more Reese and Feyre. And then I get into Nessa, Nesta and Cassian, and I'm like, Reese and Feyre who? God, Cassian. I know. You know what? I think it's the man bun that really does it for me. Okay. I'll a poll. Don't overthink this. You already have an answer in your heart. Of all of the SJM men, who is your favorite? Rowan. Really? Yeah. Why? I like that he fights back with Aelin. In like the most literal sense. Like he literally. Punch her in the fucking face. He literally punches her in the face. And bites her neck really hard. Like. That's weird. You have problems. I. No. Listen. I'm into it. He knows what she is, and then he knows who she is. She truly is a queen, and he cares, but also he's like, you're being a fucking moron and doesn't give a shit to tell her. And I love that. Well, yes, Reese is on it. Reese is not my favorite. He's He supports Farah, and of course, we'll... I do. I love him. It's not that I don't love him, but mine... I have a really hard time choosing between Cassian and Hunt. And some people are like, oh, Crescent City is boring. Hunt's so boring. No, No, he's not. No, he's not. Honestly, it's one of those deals, and I'm going to say it, that Crescent City is not an easy read. You have so much world building. And I think that we were just so used to that cloak and dagger style Mm -hmm. worlds that this being a modern more of a modern setting where there's literally cell phones and stuff. So, but then you also have those elements of these literal fucking angels and all, you know, all of those things. And it's a lot of world building. It's a lot of things that are so much deeper than anything that we ever talked about in either of the other series. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, it's not boring. You literally just have to critically think sometimes and there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. Yeah. Like, yes, there were moments in throne of, glass that you had to critically think like and maybe put some connections together because also it's 7,000 books long world building and that is big too but it's different world building than in Crescent City because Crescent City we're in one city but there's so many details and so many different things for that whereas Throne of Glass takes place over a huge landscape yes so the world building there is like trying to understand all of the different countries are they I don't even know if they're countries but you know, yeah, yeah, all of the different kingdoms, whereas Crescent City, it's literally just one city. Right. But there's so many different details. Yeah. Again, like being in New York City, you've got your Manhattan, you've got your Brooklyn, yeah. you've got your Queens. And then all of those that are with all the different things and hierarchies within those 
neighborhoods. And then you also are adding the element of the Asteria that have been there. Now we know planet hopping. Yeah. 15,000 years. And then you find out that they're planet hopping, but you have to actually like critically think. And then as things like develop with Danica, like you, (laughs) you just basically squirted me in the face. (laughs) But I also really like hunt because I love that style of enemies to lovers with him and Bryce because like it is, but it isn't, it is, but it isn't. It's that forced proximity, maybe not so much of like an enemies to lovers, but like they weren't friends. They were not friends. (laughs) They were definitely forced to work together for the sake of trying to find out what Danica was all about. He wasn't Eros being sent to rip her heart from her chest. Yeah. But, but they weren't pals by any means. No, they weren't, but he definitely was into whenever she was walking around in her bra and underwear in that apartment. I see you. She saw you. Yeah. I see you. <laughs> but okay. So anyways, I love the more in Emery ship though. She deserves it. Both of them. Emery. We don't know for sure that Emery likes females, but she, and not that this is indicative, but she does tell Nesta that it's nice to meet another female not obsessed with marriage and children. Yes. So I'm like, oh. Yeah. I not that you can't not want to get married or have children and Right, right, right. But but, but I think a tragedy, that, truly. A tra- <laughs> honestly. But I think that is that hint because with her saying that we also have a bunch of Akatar books in her arsenal, that there's a more book. Mm-hmm. That there is because there is still so much shit that we don't know about that bitch. Mm-hmm with her whole truth thing and yeah there's definitely going to be a more episode where we go through the the witch theory yes yes the truth theory deep dive what did Moore see in the woods when she was riding her horse that on the property that nobody knows she owns for someone whose power is truth Moore really does lie a lot <laughs> you know what it's that her truth in her own right if she's confronted with needing to give a truth so i was just looking up about truth teller I was trying to see if there if anybody said anything about why he gave that to Elaine outside of just for protection obviously but I came across the theory and somebody was saying that they theorized that he named it truth teller like for more as a simping kind of thing that he could have because I definitely just had it to where it was like you're going to tell the truth when I slice t- you up. Right? <laughs> this blade is going to fucking destroy you if you don't tell me what it is I need to know. Okay, so whenever Feyre says that he knows how to cut on a person without killing them or whatever, I just imagine <laughs> I imagine someone sitting in a chair with their hands tied behind their back <laughs> and Azriel like mafia boss. Yeah. Like- and Azriel just takes truth teller and slices in between each of their ribs. That's what I pictured. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Would that kill someone? I don't know. Probably because you would hit organs. But I'm imagining that it's like fleshy enough, Mm -hmm. deep enough that it would be wildly painful. Or like, But also maybe he just does it like jackass style. Instead of paper cuts between the toes, he just spreads their toes and gets some little cuts. Oh my God. (laughs) The the worst kind. Or like this, like between your pointer Mm -hmm. finger and your thumb. Okay. Nope. 
It's not just a paper cut, but whenever you get a box cut, a cardboard cut. Yeah. But just with Truth Teller. But also knowing that Blade is paired up with the Star Sword, does it have underlying powers whenever it was forged? And is there deeper... And why does he have it? Where did he get it? <laughs> a pawn shop. Don't yeah, I was going to say, do you know? Why did you look at me like that? And I was just like, oh no, what? Do we know? No, he definitely got it at a Spring Corp pawn shop. Like... <laughs> Those water wraiths, man. Pharaoh be giving shit away. Yeah, and- why does he have that? Because Rune got the star sword literally by a contest. He pulled it out the stone style. Right. <laughs> what if it? What if they pulled it out of the top of Ramiel or something? Wouldn't that be some shit? Oh. <laughs> Just some random cave. What is the phrase in Crescent City? When the sword and our whatever are united, so shall our people be. It's oh, odd. yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a fate prophecy from Midgard that says when knife and sword are united, are reunited. Oh, Jesus. When knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people be. Amran makes a similar comment. About Truth Teller? About a knife sword being reunited kind of thing. So Asriel literally says to Elaine, it talking about truth teller has never failed once. Some people say it is magic and will always strike true. It will serve you well. So maybe truth teller literally has its own force and maybe it's one of those where she doesn't say, but also as a seer and then maybe with truth teller possibly giving her an urge, it just used her to basically shove itself. Hmm through the king because like it, that's it, striking it, true it doing the job you mm-hmm. just have to you just have to hold on yeah because they're always they're also every time they talk they talk about it was just like one of those details where instead of just talking about to the hilt mm-hmm. it's literally obsidian hilt it's i don't know it's just that little extra detail where whenever you're just talking about a knife or a sword you're just gonna say down to the hilt or unless it's the first time that you're reading about said weapon if it's a jeweled hilt or if it's gold or whatever it's going to tell you just as a descriptor but it's not the first time that we've talked about truth teller so she is saying obsidian does that have something to do with what makes it so magical and also how is the star sword described is it also described with an obsidian hilt so maybe it's something about that i assume that they're made because whenever nessa makes her sword Ataraxia. What's her face? Amran makes a comment about how power could be transferred into weapons in the past. Which would equal where Truth Teller could have came from and where... And the Star Sword in Prithian, they call it Gwydian. Yeah. And they say that it's a death sword. Right. And also I'm trying to think, did Aelin have anything forged? Allegedly, if that she time is they... before her, you know, before Prithian, if Akatar is settled between some time in Throne of Glass to the Crescent City in latter times, just basically for those weapons to work their way through the ages and then also through any rip in time because clearly Amran can just get thrown through rip and rips in time. So it's in, in Prithian, it's the last known cauldron made sword. 
And in Crescent City, they say it's a sword from another world. It was made from the metal of a fallen star, a meteorite, and exists beyond planet's laws. But in Prithian, they're like, oh, yeah, we dipped that shit in the cauldron. Okay, so the fallen star stuff, whenever the stars are falling, like wherever it is that they go, maybe that's cauldron related. And they call it a meteor because they're not aware that starfall is what it is. And so, again, whoever is spinning that story, that's how they interpreted that. A fun trivia thing is iridium is one of the rarest elements in the Earth's crust. This is on week on Actar Wiki. And so I'm like, is that what it's like technically made out of? Is iridium? That's fun. I know that's fun. The cauldron is a chemist. Uh, <laughs> table of elements. Iridium is a hard silvery metal. It is almost as unreactive as gold. It has a very high density and melting point. Iridium is the most corrosive resistant material known. So like you can dip that shit in a cauldron. (laughs) It's fine. So yeah, so I'm almost wondering if Truth Teller, it's another cauldron made thing. Yeah. So maybe that's why Elaine was able to wield it the way that she did, because as it likes to say, as we've been said, I think the bone carver or whoever, and then Amran like, calls to light yeah god it said so much that it was starting to get on my nerves at one point like calls to light yeah if you don't follow emily's theories on tiktok or instagram i think her username is the same on instagram it's for sure emily's theories on tiktok her brain is amazing i love it so much anytime that she posts i'm like immediately has has my attention so talking about the sword and the knife i have to read this to you she breaks down, but she takes it from the angle of who is Azrael's mate. Ooh, okay. Okay. So I don't remember if you've sent me this one or not. So she theorizes that Azrael and Bryce are mates. And she also theorizes that they are the long lost heirs to the dust court. Well, because think about just to sidebar of you saying that of them being mates, because I'm sure that people are going to be very upset because of Bryce <laughs> and Hunt being mates. To be but, fair, but Bryce I, and Hunt, Bryce or Hunt declared Bryce his mate. Yes. It, it is not a bonded like yes. mateship or whatever. And it, it is that they have just said that it's mates in the face sense of being a mate where he's very protective of her. But, well, they're not like technically there is no bond there is no he just feels that deeply for her but i do love hunt so much i love hunt so much and i do truly think that they're going to be in game sgm has hinted enough that this is their story but they are not true mates so the idea that she could be mates with someone else is very but, plausible but Sarah has also said publicly that someone can have more than one mate. Oh shit, she did. (laughs) So this is not completely out of the realm of possibility, I don't think. Well, and also the fact that they're not even originated in the same world. That, which also is fun, is a star-crossed lover kind of way. But anyways. Now I'm going to finish this. Please don't interrupt. I'm sorry. I just needed to sidebar. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. No, that was a good sidebar. Okay, so the dust court is the missing eighth court of Prithian. We know this. Mm -hmm. As of Crescent City 2, we have enough evidence to conclude that the dust court was made up 
of the Fae of both Starborn and Shadow Powers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thea's daughter had skin that poured starlight and shadows. Bryce's star glows for Cormac and other members of the Avalon Fae, Shadow Wielders. And then if you think about dusk in general, so dusk is kind of the crossover point between daylight and nighttime, light mm-hmm. and dark. And it's like essentially when the veil is the thinnest yes. between worlds. Yes. yes. So light representing the starborn powers, dark representing the shadow powers. It can also explain the two different weapons. The star sword is described by Bryce as glowing with bright white light and truth teller glows with a dark black light, which is Azrael's knife, of course. Mm-hmm. Then 15,000 years ago, again, back to 15,000 years, the people of the Dust Court were lost between the Akatar and Crescent City worlds. Hence, the ancient Fae prophecy, again, when knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people be, meaning the people of the Dust Court. And also so, because it's strapped to Bryce whenever and, she... Yes. And Bryce literally says at one point that she feels that fate is guiding all of this. She's basically like, guide me. I'll do whatever you want, <laughs> essentially. She gives up trying to control it, and she's just like, yeah. make it happen, universe. But so then, is it a coincidence that Azrael and Bryce would have these two weapons? And that Azrael is the one that finds her. And when that she they falls are worlds. brought together, and Bryce, listen, she likens the glow of the two weapons together as alpha and omega, which means the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. which also means... As a term that people say in terms of everlasting love, like yes, beginning and the end. So the dust court was it's also led very biblical. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of crossover there. Yeah. So then going back to before the dust court was lost, the dust court was led by Athea and her lover Atis. Uh-huh. So Bryce could be Thea's descendant. Azriel could be Atis's descendant, making both of them heirs to the dust court. Essentially, Azriel and Atis have the same shadow powers. Azrael has repeatedly been described as cold. His skin was ice, pure ice. Adis is also associated with ice and coldness. Mm-hmm. When Bryce goes to find Adis, she is instead pulled into Prithian and finds Azrael. Like calls to like. There it is. When Bryce first sees Azrael's wings, she likens them to the demon wings in hell. She thinks she has landed in hell. That's where she wanted to go. And she, when she yeah. sees Azrael, she thinks she made it. Emily also says that she believes Azrael to be far more powerful than we anticipate. Reese and Cassian both say multiple times that Azrael's power is different from the rest. Azrael's winnowing is, quote, different. Koshche has been preparing for Azrael for months. Koshche is likely connected to the impending Dust Court arc as well. Azrael has made strange comments about what he really is. Him and Favor have this little inside joke, almost not inside joke, but kind of understanding between the two of them that Feyre she says Faye as if she's not one because she was made. And Azrael also tells her you get used to it because he's not used to associating himself as a Faye as well. Yes. And it makes you wonder why. And I know that this is obviously the trigger of child abuse, but why was he treated so differently yeah. from his siblings? Why was he essentially locked away that following along with you? Who is he really? Okay, so then Bryce as Queen Thea's descendant. Adis says that Bryce bears Thea's light. Sarah regularly is, regularly associates Bryce with dusk. Her nails are always painted in sunset colors and dusk colors. Her red That's hair. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Bryce's fascination with Jelly Jubilee, the Pegasus dolls, the Pegasus and Akatar come from the dusk court. Mm-hmm. 
Rune's last words to Bryce were long live the queen. Strange. Okay. But further, a union between a starborn heir and a shadow wielder has been foreshadowed as something great. The Oracle told Cormac, who was the, who has shadow powers or had RIP and is connected to the dust court that his mingling with a starborn princess will bring great prosperity to his people. And that's why they were basically courted. Right. So Bryce's dad, the Autumn King, was also pushing for Cormac and Bryce to get married as their offspring would have been something great, but about something great. Even Jessica tells Bryce to think about the advantages of such a union with the Shadow Prince. Both Jessica and Bryce's father are the two characters who seem to be the most aware of the multiverse. Okay. It is also said that a mating bond exists to pair people up who will create powerful offspring. If Bryce cannot fulfill the Oracle's prophecy with Cormac, then there remains one other character with immensely strong shadow powers. Dun, dun, dun. Also, what made that Oracle go running and screaming? Just to interject. So then the serial says to Farah about her and Reese being mates, that mates are equals, are power, you're their equal in every way. Mm-hmm. If they are both descendants of a king and queen... How more, much more equal could you get than that? Facts. And it's said multiple times that Queen Thea trusted and fell in love with the Prince of Hell, despite presuming having another husband already. Motherfucker. Regalia states that Bryce is repeating her history. What? Regalia, no. here, here's, here's a quote. <laughs> here's like canon quote I'm reading right from Crescent City right now. Regalia sighed dramatically at their stunned silence. This all seems very, very familiar, doesn't it? A starborn queen who allied with a prince of hell, who trusts him deeply, and ultimately leaves him, leaves her husband for him. So what's more is that Bryce meeting Azrael for the first time was reminiscent of Feyre meeting Reese and Aelin meeting Rowan. Here we go. Bryce breathed in, trying to calm herself as she nodded. The male's hands were gentle but thorough as he fitted it tightly over her eyes, meaning a... What blindfold. T- blindfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Azrael just carries blindfolds in his pocket, by the way. Because he's kinky as fuck. <laughs> he is for sure. Pretty much Cassian and Reese have insinuated yeah. that, that big wingspan. It'd be doing it. Then he gives no warning as he hauls her over his shoulder and carries her away. Because he's a buff bat daddy. He sets her down, taking her by the hand. Blah, blah, blah. Bryce says that Azrael's face is beautiful. Well, Despite the fact that his eyes held no mercy... He spoke in a silken voice that shook her. She says, I don't understand you. I don't know hell's languages, but Adis, Prince Adis, she thinks he is Adis. Can you imagine oh, that fuck. silken voice in bed? Uh, we're just Emily, gonna... Emily is, she's amazing. She's a master. Listen, because you just asked about the Oracle. It says, considering also Bryce's starborn power, but Adis's words, what blinds an Oracle? I find it rather coincidental and poetic that Azrael had a blindfold on hand. Some argue that Bryce and Azrael would be incompatible, yet the only woman who Azrael has truly and deeply loved is Moore. Is it then any coincidence that Bryce and Moore have the exact same personality? They are both ESFPs. Then she gives a lot of examples about how. What was her? Wait, she was a what? An EF? ESFP? ESFP personality. She's an extroverted, sensing, feeling, perceiving. Hmm. These types are often described as spontaneous, resourceful, and outgoing. Personality type is often referred to as the performer or the entertainer. Yeah, that tracks. Because if you think about it, literally, Moore loves to go dancing. So does Bryce. Mm. They're very outward. Also, the parallel of the red 
Mm-hmm. Moore always wears red. And if she's not wearing red, then she's basically just in her battle leathers. And with Bryce always having her, like you said, her nails done in hues of red or oh, also God. her red hair. It's going to break my heart, I think. Mm, I'm not ready. There's a lot of things. Not even just saying that Hunt and Bryce just call themselves mates. They're not necessarily faded mates. Emily gives a couple different examples about whenever the harpy holds a knife to ruin in Hunt's necks. With Hunt, she hisses, keep your fucking hands off of him. But with Rune, she lunges against her chains. She screams, get the fuck away from him. And bellows later, get off of him. A guttural roar thundered. So basically, she's like, get off a hunt, but then loses her absolute shit when it's Rune. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then this is actually, there's a screenshot of where someone is tweeting Sarah J. Mass in April of 2015 and said, can Faye have more than one soulmate in Throne of Glass or is it a one person forever thing? And she says, yep, it hasn't been mentioned in the books yet, but it's definitely possible. Hashtag Akatar party, which was like a Q&A thing she was doing on Twitter at the time. This one, this is the part that's going to break your heart. The Oracle's words to Hunt were, do yourself a favor, Orion Athelar. Keep well away from Bryce Quinlan. Compare that to what the serial tells Feyre to stay close to Reese, and we know which couple ended up together in the end. I have goosebumps and I might cry. I, I don't... <laughs> no, man. Yeah, I hurt my own feelings with that one. I also just, I'm not going to go totally off, off base here and talk about stuff that's not even been written yet, but it's a widely known thing in the fandom that Sarah J. Maas had a Pinterest board about Twilight of the Gods. And she has mentioned that on Twitter about writing Twilight of the Gods. And that is a phrase in reference to Ragnarok in which all of the major leaders come together to defeat, I don't even know what the evil power's name is, but Thor dies in order to defeat that and Mm -hmm. who is hunt look exactly but thur so that is the massiverse yeah version of thor yeah i definitely think hunt dies at some point honestly i i'm glad i don't know if the sorry i don't know okay i have also we've talked about that i've also read about that And it's almost making me wonder if Hunt is just a vessel. Because there's that whole talk about the stone statues, Mm -hmm. which we can get into at a later time. Yeah. Is Hunt just a vessel? We're like, yes, Hunt himself will die, but then it's, there's Thur. Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Thur is wearing Hunt's skin. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In the really gross, (laughs) like that alien in Men in Black, like... Maybe not quite like that, but that's, but that's, I don't know. Cause I've thought about that because I've, again, we'll talk about the statues at a later time, but, and then just Hunt's powers it, itself or will Hunt destroy himself in almost a sense of how Aelin mm-hmm. pretty much, she just was left with a colonel, almost destroyed herself. Will he destroy himself to save Midgard from the Asteri? And basically channel Thur and then or release Thur or something. But I don't want that. I don't (laughs) don't, want that. I don't want him to die. But at the same time, not enough people die in these books. Not none of the good people die in a really heartbreaking way. 
I know. Well, Connor, Connor was sad. But oh. you didn't know. You know oh, him yeah, for no, a page and a half. Don't bring Lahaba into La- this. <laughs> don't bring my don't bring my her, smut watching girl. Her death she was loved her devastating. It was, it was devastating. Honestly, I'm here to tell you what right now. If that's not it, since I know you don't know Harry Potter, but there is a lot of people that I know are going to know Harry Potter. If that is not the most Dobby death I've ever read outside of Harry Potter, then I don't know what is. <sighs> Yeah, I don't relate, but it destroyed me. Yes, yes. And, but as a general rule, you think about Akabor and how Reese died, and so did Amran, but they're magically back a page later. Not enough main characters are dying, and Elaine says that Cassian is going to, Cassian says, it'll take more than that to kill me, and Elaine says, no, it will not. Yeah. Basically insinuating that Cassian's going to die as well, and Nesta... It's assumed that Nesta saves him from that. I hope that's the case. Well, and that was like, I hope that's the situation that Elaine was talking about and not something in the future. Well, and also the thing of, and not just necessarily in the Massiverse, but just in fantasy in general, Sears, Sears can see things, but it's not definitive. Like that's so Raven. Like that. She would have visions and she thought she was going to fix the problem, but she never does. It's always something else. Right. And it's, (laughs) and it is a wild for Chelsea. <laughs> like, but yeah, and because it is, it's not always definitive. It's always, it it's could just be one version of what's happening based on. Based, or without the context even. Yeah, without the context or even just at that current moment that they see it, the path that those people are currently on, which we know can shift in whatever direction, which also was just a very humbling moment for Cassian because he is one of those characters that, thinks he's invincible Mm -hmm. and I think it was just a Elaine grabbed him by the balls and was (laughs) like was like whoa bro no yeah get your head out of your ass and your dick out of my sister for a second and (laughs) let's think this like mind your business (laughs) leave my headboard out of this (laughs) and so I I think that when Elaine said that you knew that you knew that something was going to happen to where I don't necessarily think it was a red herring in the story where you're like I, well, I take that back. I do think it was a red herring because it made you want to be worried about Cassian. Yeah. And it added that a little bit on edge with any battle or anything that he did. But I think that was the end of it because Nesta basically interfered. If she hadn't interfered, then yes, that's what could have happened. But her interference with that basically flipped mm-hmm. what Elaine had originally seen because events changed. Three, Feyre was not a part of the inner court, inner circle, when she died, technically. But three members of the current inner circle have died and been brought back. Just in terms of books in general, you assume that a major character is going to kick the bucket. Yes. Yes. But maybe it's going to be Hunt instead. Maybe Sarah was like, you know what? Let's just create somebody else because I like these characters. Right. So well, much. and it's Cassian's wings had been shredded. He was on the brink of death. So I think that might have been her. Also, even though the Archeron father wasn't really, but he was also a death that obviously affected the mm, sisters. Yeah. But he's not the main heartbreaking character. For- no, <laughs> but it was definitely. I forgot how sad that moment actually was when I <laughs> finished my reread. I was like, oh no. Oh. 
But of course, I'm just rolling up on ships named after his daughters that he was just going to let starve. But anyways, I'm like, was that a redemption arc? I saw, this, <laughs> I saw this post on Instagram the other day and it said, everybody's mad at Papa Archeron for not going and getting a job or something to feed the kids. <laughs> she was like, guys, he could walk as well as Feyre could read. <laughs> That's awful, but also but, very funny. But also, let's just talk about that Feyre's painting skills we were talking about earlier. Yeah. What Have we talked about Papa Archeron's whittling? <laughs> Nesta's over here let's watching yeah. just like some wood chip. Like Nesta, <laughs> Nesta does say that it's not good enough, yeah. essentially. Yeah, she basically shit on her dad's okay, hobby. While yeah, while we're shitting on people's hobbies... <laughs> Thanks a lot, Elaine, for growing pretty flowers and not some kind of fucking vegetable we could have eaten. My God, we have Mega Garden over here in, at our house. And you ever heard of a tomato? They could have lived on the amount of kale that we have sprouting oh up out there. Are you kidding me? That's like the super green. They, yeah, they could have grown potatoes. Yeah. I'm like the people in the Wild West had it figured out. Are you gonna eat your tulips? I, I mean, just, I'm flabbergasted. They, why not both? No, food is prettier than flowers. Also, it's the same amount of water, Elaine. It's not like we were conserving resources. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It. As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog-earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top grain American leather in a variety of colors, and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code THEORIES at caseleatherworks.com. My God. And Nesta reads smut. We can't shit on her. No. That is, that's us. Flawless. And the house is about it too. It, it wants her to have that moment. Okay. Is it just me or did you also picture the house of wind as a smart house? Oh, like 100%. The way, the way it just. I'm like, Katie Sagal, is that you? Are you, is that you? Drops books on her nightstand yep. and like gives her cake and shit. Also, I love that all into of. the floor. Yeah. That was amazing. I know. I love that all of SJM's main female characters love chocolate cake like that's like the thing Aelin loved a hunk of chocolate cake Nesta gets herself a hunk of chocolate cake Feyre gets one in the spring court and Tamlin takes it away and says if you eat anymore you're gonna throw up and it's that's the but time see, but you Do know you think what? he went back into the kitchen and just de- went in his beast form and just devoured you know what, that though, chocolate when I cake was, the first time I read that I thought oh he's looking out for her no, no the first time I thought about that was like Bitch, that's dessert. I thought, oh, he doesn't want her to get sick. Oh, I was her. like, let me throw up. See, like, I, mean, I was I'm, on the brink of starving. <laughs> I'm probably the one with the problems. Yeah. <laughs> you're also over here. You're Team Tammy in that I'm redemption not, arc. Like, yes. You are more I'm, than a lot of the fans. I'm Team Reese for Feyre, a thousand percent. Oh, no, not Team like Team Tammy for Reese. But you I want his redemption. In terms arc. of letting him wither and die or be redeemed, I am de- Team Redeemed. But I also feel like we don't really need that. He helped Feyre bring Reese back to life. Be happy, Feyre. Okay, <laughs> bye, Tam. Rude. I'm sorry. Also, I will say that 
Yes, him giving his kernel of power to <laughs> his popcorn kernel. <laughs> Quit acting like it was nothing. It was everything. It, it, it He showed up. He showed up with the brought, autumn court. He brought Baron to that war by oh, yeah. the back of his neck. Grabbed him by the neck. I imagine Tamlin and Baron riding into battle, like <laughs> He's just side next. by side on horses, and Tamlin has Baron by the earlobe. I, I, I don't even imagine that Baron's on a horse. I imagine that he's like basically sidecarring Bannon. <laughs> Baron just holding him over. And Eris is just like shit eating grin, like when yeah. he's just, hell yeah. Like, God, I can't wait to talk about Eris. Uh, that is. Not today. <laughs> not today. <laughs> that, not today. If Tamlin did have a, a moment, then the true moment is when he gave her that gust of wind to go under her wings. That's true. To bust through. He has done quite a bit. No, that's two things. <laughs> Three okay. things. With his kernel, popcorn kernel. I feel bad for him. I know that I know he's blonde, do. but I still feel bad for Well, <laughs> I think that... The most offensive thing and. That he's blonde, literature for me. That he is blonde. <laughs> I I just I'm gonna be very honest with you. While he does deserve to not have his court, yeah, that was shitty. Okay, but also he was just his court only mattered to him for their tithing. He also needed people to guard his borders and die for him okay. and cook his meal. He sent them all over the wall to go I find Feyre. I'm agreeing with you. But I'm also like, what in the crazy ex-boyfriend are you doing? Like basically but selling does- out your ex-girlfriend's family to what is essentially a modern day mob boss. And yeah. Why does Tamlin need his court to tithe for him to pay for his expenses? Why does Reese have so much money? What, where, what's happening? Well, also, let's be honest. If, do we know if he doesn't? I don't think he tithes from the night court. But no, I, he doesn't. Like but he, I think that they say that they don't. But I think that with the trade routes and stuff, whenever he's talking to one of the shop owners in Valaris, he's literally talking about where she's, oh, we need this and this. I think a lot of his has to do with trade where his money is coming through the trade routes. So it's, I mean, it's very much an imperial thing. Maybe he We're, does the hewn city as prison labor. <laughs> I Can you imagine the hewn city, like, hand-making license plates for <laughs> the people of Flores? <laughs> they have their sweatshops where, yeah. like, all the beautiful clothes that you see in Valaris is, like... <laughs> All of Feyre's jasmine outfits are all made, made by Kier. Made- <laughs> he left a pin in it, and so she pulls it on. <laughs> it's just okay. Oh, That's God. terrible. But no, I, I think a lot of his money is, number one, the man is just a good accountant. I and think- number two... <laughs> no, he's not. I feel like... Um, he spends no money. Yeah. <laughs> But also all of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I do really think that a lot of his has to do just based on actual I'm sure a lot of it is inherited, I will say. Inherited. He literally had a whole wall of crowns. Yeah. And also, Tamlin, the spring court is nowhere near the size of the night court as far as square footage. (laughs) (laughs) How the hell do you know that? Like, the map, bro. Do you mean to show Um, you? Like, but also... I don't really know if rolling green grasses are really like, I also feel like that maybe the resources start up at the night court and then trickle down (laughs) economics. And that's Tamlin is while he's like rich compared to the humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
he's not he lives in a mansion while reese literally has a townhouse and then a castle (laughs) yeah he there's the night court and there's the spring court because he goes all the way up to here like all the way into the illyrian mountains and then we jut all the way over to here and then tammy's down here hanging out by the wall (laughs) And honestly, though, the autumn court and the summer court, they really do get the shaft. They're tiny. Dawn court, they're all right. But can we just also just talk about the placement really quick of that sunshiny day court just right next to... Well, where... Yeah. So where's the dusk court fall into that? So this is... is Does it say the prison or anything on there? Oh, no. The prison is up here. What the fuck? Why, Why is the dusk court not between the night and the day court? Well... It's on the other side of night. <laughs> I mean, I was about to say something really stupid and just be like, wouldn't it make more sense next to the dawn court? But that's oh. not how time, that's not how sunlight works. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I do. I think as far as we're talking about economics, uh, you know, there's just a lot. He's got all these Illyrians. He has the court of nightmares. There's literally a boat on this map right here. <laughs> it's heading in. And then I'm pretty sure that one of these is super rich over on the the continent but also if you ever read a book and they're worried about money or like they don't have unlimited funds i'm like ew i have those problems in my real life i don't need to read about them in my fantasy no like i was just really feeling the the archer on family where i'm just like oh Mm -hmm. yeah i will tell casey my husband for (laughs) the listeners like so he's a hunter we have a giant... I saw a dove in their fucking air fryer last <laughs> night. Wrapped in bacon. Wrapped in like, bacon. <laughs> it's tiny little legs. Crispy. So like... I did not know that was a thing people ate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Also pheasant. And yeah, Casey, it wasn't a white dove. So everyone just needs to calm down. I asked. Where did Let- it come from? Okay. The outside? Bef- bef- <laughs> not before you tell um, me how you catch a dove well you don't catch, shh, shh, catch. don't say anything this is how i think that casey got his dove last night <laughs> you know in spongebob when they go <laughs> jellyfishing that is casey and aspen were out there with their jellyfishing nets and he caught himself a dove and he was like, you know what? We'd go great with this dove. Some bacon. And he brought it home and plucked its feathers and cut off its legs. And there it is in the air fryer. Sizzling. It's, that's the equivalent to when SpongeBob milks the jellyfish for yeah. jelly. God. Also, we do have a giant net. net? No. <laughs> That's how we catch the pigeons. Oh, my for, God. Because, you know, we also do have high-bred pigeons in the pigeon house back there. For their Aspens. <laughs> Who is our bird dog. <laughs> to catch a pigeon. <laughs> I don't... <clears throat> I know we gave a spoiler warning. I don't know if we need to give a, a content warning. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, a content warning. Anyways, so it... <laughs> The pigeon went to the farm (laughs) to live out its days in the air fryer. (laughs) Yeah. And Casey's belly. Uh, 
Okay. Well, anyways. Okay. So yes, I do like to make a joke with Casey a lot because he is a hunter. He is one of those that he harvests everything and he respects the animal and he's not one of those literally, let's go on a savanna hunt and just get like some big game to hang on the wall. No, we going to eat it. And I prefer not to look my meals in the eyes before I consume them. <laughs> there, there is some, there's some stuff I could say to you, but I'm not going to say it to you on air or off because okay. it will upset you and I'm not going to do that. So it's been a couple of years since he's hunted just because the whole issue of finding land that you don't have to literally sell your soul to be able to hunt on. And then public land is just trash. Too many people hunt it and deer don't want to hang out there. So there has been so many times that I've literally been like, are you going to supply for our family this year? Or are we going to starve? And because <laughs> the grocery store is not right across town. But I think about the Archeron sisters. We're like, I could, he- I'm just being an asshole to my husband. We're like, I'm like, we're fine. We're, we're not relying yeah. on game to help us survive. Although there has been lots of times where I'm just like, damn, if I had to wait on you to feed us, we'd all be dead by now. <laughs> But Nesta said that. Yeah. Where she's like, where dinner be? Like, <laughs> I, she's like, did you get that? Did you get that stuff? Whenever <laughs> speaking, speaking of that whole thing, Feyre being the youngest. Nesta could have learned. Yeah. Yeah. Feyre being the youngest and being the one that like survive, helped them all survive and whatever. That just irritates the shit out of me. Also, like, they wanted to spend all of her money. What is she? Sh- your sugar sister? <laughs> just, know. you know what? She... Tam Tam's got a lot of got a lot of bad shit about him, but he got her out of that. I'm pretty stubborn, but I am not stubborn enough to let myself starve to prove a point to my crippled father. No, absolutely not. Um, As someone with a crippled father, (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Walt. hobbling up that walk today and i imagine that's how papa archeron is getting around not expecting that oh god Uh, also i feel bad that i called pharaoh a hoochie (laughs) i feel like you should cut that because i really don't want to be canceled jesus that was amazing okay so anyways as someone with a crippled father Walt would never expect me to do that. Yeah. He would let that leg drag behind him and <laughs> do something. His whole heart, which is only like 30%. <laughs> Just dunking on your poor dad, this whole thing. <laughs> What's left of his heart is <laughs> pure. It's so pure. <laughs> his love for me runs as deep mm, as that shit. first artery. <laughs> That first chamber of his heart that is still there, it's beautiful. <laughs> but really, though, why are you just going to sit around and whittle? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even making money. <laughs> just all of it. A couple of coins, shillings, if you will. <laughs> yeah. They, like, could they not? Is that their currency? Do they call them shillings? They just say no. coin. Does she give them currency? They say, do they say, like, gold and silver marks? <gasps> marks. That's what it is. Okay. Or is, is that throne of glass? No. Well, is it, maybe both. 
but yes, they definitely, Reese definitely talks about, because they were taking bets on who was going to start, on who, who was gonna start a fight the, first. Yeah. And it was like 10 gold marks and stuff like okay. that. So yes, so yes, so yes. So not shillings. Sorry. <laughs> I think that is a true form of currency in <laughs> modern world. But yeah, get up, bro. Grab a cane. Not even that. Just not even that. I'm just not asking like you to go hunt. The sisters. <laughs> Nesta needed to go hunt. Pharaoh was like, this Elaine is, needed to stop. This is depressed. <laughs> That's a bit of a Pharaoh. It gets it gets bad enough that Pharaoh goes out and hunts their food. Okay. Why Yeah, not just There's, foraging for berries. When they, when they get their money back, they instantly have cleaners and cooks and servants and whatever. That why was did, Nesta? Nesta was like, I need all of them maids back. Well, I know, but why did oh, Pharaoh's out there hunting and gathering every day? Why didn't Nesta and Elaine go forage for berries and no, sticks not and even that why did they not go get a job with someone why did they not go Nesta couldn't work even in a chop kitchen wood yeah for the fire we yeah. all just gonna be cold that pisses me off i it, it, it's one of those that it does bother me is i forgive nesta for like pretty much everything else but, but that the her and elaine's willingness to like because also so they're over here like baby Elaine. Right. That's what I was about to say. We're over here like coddling and hand holding Elaine. And let's be honest, neither one of us were coddled <laughs> as children. <laughs> I'm gonna just say it probably you might have actually been a little more coddled than me, and neither one of us were coddled. Like my arm could fall off and Rhonda would literally be like, We'll go pick it up and we'll put it on later. You're fine. I I literally was in the hospital for pancreatitis that first time and she was just like, Well, you're okay, right? <laughs> no, not really. Also, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> it is uh a a, a cholesterol genetic thing for everyone listening so keep your judgment to yourself <clears throat> but also as fierce as nesta was obviously she's protecting elaine blah 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 blah. elaine could still go pick berries anything if she's gardening why not throw in some she cucumber? could like she could <laughs> zucchini like, I, I like how cucumber is your first tomatoes push. are she's, so easy to grow she's just gonna have a delicious cucumber anything, sandwich anything before the buttery croissant before the winter yeah squash those things if you don't cut those things open pumpkins and different stuff a lot of those will stay good forever forever well that's why i was like potatoes you you let potatoes cure then they can stay in the cellar for like six months and i'm also it was cold they could have just stuck those potatoes out yeah in the cold Nothing was going to get those. Their survival I, skills were just not no. great. No. And can you imagine how scary that was to just the door to just literally be obliterated. And then there is this creature just roaring. <laughs> Nessa grabs Elaine and locks the bedroom door. Tara <laughs> and Papa Archeron and they're just, she's, you got it. Like through the door. There. Speaking of all of this. There is something between Feyre and Nesta almost tells Feyre what it is when they're in the library of the House of Wind when those two people of Kim Highburns come and try to kill them. Nesta almost tells her why they can't speak or whatever. It doesn't quite get to it. And then in Silver Flames, Nesta vocalizes that she prefers Elaine over Feyre, which is pretty shitty. 
but we still don't know what, why, what is it? Because Feyre is just, it's just the way it is. She doesn't like me. Yeah. She, she clearly has and no Nesta, idea. Nesta has an idea. Yes. She just hasn't come out with it yet. Well, and <clears throat> this will be in another episode about a little bit deeper about what we think Mama Archeron yeah. is and Nesta and does it have something to do with that? Probably. If I had to get I just, I do want to know. Because, what is it, at the end of Silver Flames, Nesta told Farah that she loved her. Mm-hmm. And Farah's like, that's the first time that you've ever said that to me. Which is so crazy. Which me. is just so crazy. And I, it's, I understand not everybody's, I love you, like you. I've been telling you I love you for 25 fucking years. And you're just like, thanks. Thank you. Thank you I for thank you for lamp. receiving <laughs> Anchorman. the love that I give you. Yeah, I know. I know. It works 60% of the time, 100% of the time. <laughs> okay. And uh, I will keep up with you on those Anchorman references. But it, it is. It's just so weird. And then it's just, Elaine's not even a middleman. You know oh, what I mean? She's like, usually like she's just a baby. And why is Nesta, I don't know if it's like an insecurity. But since Elaine is such a follower that and Nesta's basically like the big bad wolf that Elaine's Okay. And if you didn't know the birth order, I would assume that Feyre was the oldest, Nesta was the middle child, and yes. that Elaine was the baby. Nesta definitely gives middle child vibes. Yeah. Do you think that they lied on birth certificates and Nesta really is middle child? It's <laughs> like, because energy. they're like, they're just all like within a couple of years of each other. Mm-hmm. There's no like big age. Yeah. There's not a big age gap. For a second, I was... I was like, is there a big age gap between Nesta and Farah? But no, it's like three or four years. Mama Archeron was pushing them out. This is going to be so hard because there's so much and everything's so connected and it's so easy to jump and jump. It's just so interwoven Mm -hmm. that it's so easy to just bebop because it's all going to circle back around to each other in some way, shape or form. Well, okay. Thanks for listening. We have to stop. We're we, gonna go crazy. Yeah. If we don't stop now, we'll still be going yeah. whenever the book releases in January. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>